Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Introducing the Dunkin' Run, a dollar donut with any medium coffee. A whole new era of... I'm going on a Dunkin' Run. You want anything? Yeah, maybe a jelly donut and an iced coffee? You got it. Wait, actually glazed donut and a hot coffee. Mm. Okay, back on track. Make it a Dunkin' Run. Get a $1 donut with any medium coffee. America runs on Dunkin'. Exclude specialty donuts and fancies. Offer valid on medium or larger coffees. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Welcome to an All My Block Podcast and Green Bay Packer Podcast. With your host. I'm your host, Amon Green, along with my good friend and teammate, Mike Wall. Mike, man, how you doing? Yeah, doing great, man. We were just talking about uh, our, one of our favorite new shows, The Boys, and... and uh, Prime Video, oh my God. You just got me giggling. That show is amazing. It is amazing. It, it like... Watching it this weekend, and watching it just knowing all the seasons, I was like, this is a show... I know Mike can 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 just attach himself to and watch it. Um, like you mentioned, you just can't watch it during the day because the kids are home for the summer. Yeah. <laughs> so it's because it's it is it is discretion advisor discretionary to yes. who is in the room age limit wise. You got to make sure you have 20, 18, at least eighteen and up in the room watching this. Yeah, that's like a legitimate show where like sometimes I'll watch like. A rated R movie, I'll be like, ah, you guys can watch this. It's just a little bit. This show is like, absolutely not. No, you can't. Just, I don't want to explain that much stuff in one episode. Yeah, it's like, I, even if you're of age, I'm like, I will feel still awkward in the room <laughs> with my kids watching this one. But it, it is a good show. It is. It, it brings the, the the curtain back on superheroes. Did you ever watch like, uh, I know we're getting off topic. Did you ever yeah. watch like a sex scenes with your parents in the room? Like, is that not the most uncomfortable? Or, yes. or like your in-laws? 100%. In-laws is like the most, it's like the most awkward thing you've ever done in your life, dude. I remember when I was a kid, I was probably like 12 and we were watching this movie. It was called Scream for Help. It was some type of drama, suspense, murder, mystery. And the first scene, not not the first scene, but it was the first scene with my parents where it was on full on nudity. And I'm sitting there watching it. And then, and usually when it happened prior, before the age of 12, my mom and dad be like, close your eyes and get out the room. They'd be like, get out the room, boy. We'll tell you when to come back in or close your eyes. You know, and this time they didn't say nothing. I'm sitting there watching full on nudity. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Your they didn't kick me over, out of the room. Dad's over there making sure you're looking. Like, no, is he okay? Is he? Is, <laughs> oh yes, I'm good. I'm good. He stayed. He, uh, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't bat an eyelash. You know what I'm saying? So, I'm uh, let me let me hit the uh, read here for us this week. So our uh, sponsors of the show, Bet Online, our partners at Bet Online, continue to be the number one source of all our betting needs and sports information. NBA playoffs, Mike. 
You've been watching this series back and forth right now, Boston and uh, Golden State throwing haymakers at each other. I watched last night game, man. It was a heavy hitting. The referees let it get. They're letting them play. And I'm like, I like this. I like that. So with that being said, find all the latest sports developments, including updated odds on the NBA and NHL playoffs, Major League Baseball fights, and even next season's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source to all your sports wagering needs, including betting and your favorite Vegas casinos and poker games. So it's super easy gets to get started. So head over to the website or use your mobile phone device to join uh, and use the promo code BLEAV to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. So bet online where the game starts, Mike. So very physical, but they left referees are letting them go at it and play some. This is almost looking like 80s basketball to me. I'm yeah, like 80s, early 90s basketball. I'm like, it's just, it's fun. It's fun to watch. It's a good series. It's going to be a good series. I, I've I've got some uh, I've got some non-monetary bets on this series. with a couple different guys. So well, ho- hopefully I win because I, I I bet everything for the Warriors. But I did see that Steph Curry and uh, Tatum like flip flopped on MVP favorites now. So Steph Curry's actually an underdog, and Tatum's uh, over even even after last night. So be interesting right. to see what happens there because I think generally now the Boston Celtics are considered the favorites because they won the first game. And they split it. They split it in uh, Golden State. So yeah, I, great series so, to watch, though. Great series to watch. I think that's going to go back and forth. Depends on how every team plays each other through the game right now. Um, and first game, Boston came out, you know, playing hard, playing solid. Their top five uh, player, top four players, uh, Tatum, um, Mel, uh, was it uh, the big uh, 36-year-old old veteran? Jason on his Brown, uh, Al Horford. Al, yeah. Al Horford. They all had above, yeah. you know, above 21, 15, 10. You know, they were over double-digit points. This game, there were two of them below, I, you know, double-digit points. I love I love that Steve Kerr said it against the Mavericks, and then, um, and then Draymond said it after the game one. And they, they were basically saying, listen, we don't think that in a series – a team's going to stay that hot, right? And, and right. Steve Kerr said against the Mavericks, he goes, hey, listen, if they if they drop, you know, if they go, you know, eight for 12 and three-pointers with all these different players that we don't think can make that many threes, then just tip your hat and we'll move on to the next game. Like, they're not going to do it for four games. Right. And that's kind of what Tremont said after the first game. He said, looking at the stat line, he's like, these guys were 15 to 20. They, they shot like 75% for three-pointer. They're not going to ever do that again. Like, they might do that once or twice a year. They're not going to do that, you know, you know, four times in one series. He goes, we're, we're okay. Right and uh, yeah, it, the revert to the mean thing that always happens. It's funny for athletes because we think like, oh man, we just we had that kind of game. Like we're never gonna miss again. But then you watch, you know, on on the other side, mm-hmm. you watch Clay and Clay couldn't yeah. hit the they couldn't hit the ocean from the beach, man. Yet last night that was I mean it was awful. So he and he's yeah. not gonna be that way for the entire series. So I I feel a lot better after watching last night being a Golden State fan. Yeah, those are, you know, talking about Clay Thompson, he's a guy and he's, a you know, players know in the NBA is going to be hit or miss some nights. And that was just to last night it was his night. It was his game. Um, he, you saw him trying to get himself going, throwing up shots when he had the open shot, even when he was defended properly, he still was throwing it up. And I think from a coach, if I'm a coach, I want my player that is a shooter to do that because you want him to at least not give up. You want to see him make an effort. At doing that, you know, just like on the football field, you want to make sure, okay, you're still going out there making plays. He still plays solid defense, playing both sides of the ball. And Curry, he was that the whole game. And uh, I say that was the big factor for them in that game there. So let's roll into this uh, Packer news. And I'll talk more about this and get off my line because, you know, it was a golf event. It merely meant nothing. And we kind of talked about already. It was just a lot of trash talking, a lot of bad jokes between Aaron and Tom, Pat Mahomes and Josh Allen. So they win. The, the coveted now, what is it, four years? It's been around four years now, two or three years, the match or something Zero like one that. for me, buddy. I don't <laughs> know. 
I'm not paying any attention. To right, this. exactly. My point, my point <laughs> defined right there. So the match was won by Tom and uh, Aaron. Um, that was probably the only biggest thing for the Packers this weekend, other than minicamp, OTAs coming to an end. So mm-hmm. going rolling into OTAs coming to an end. So what do coaches uh, want to look, what to know about their players from this point gearing up into training camp, you know, once the mini, uh, mini camps or OTAs in, basically. Yeah, so so I think the big mini camp is going to be next week. The fourth, I think it's like yeah, the so fourteenth or something like that. It's a mandatory we, one. Yeah, so when we talk about OTAs, so just this whole process right now, it depends obviously where you are in your career as far as from a player's perspective. But coaches just want to see that you're making progress. They want to see that you're getting bigger, faster, stronger. They want to see that you're learning the playbook. They want to see what kind of person you are. If, if they if you're new to the team, if you're new to that particular coach, if the coach is new to the team, listen, it's all about building these relationships and, and earning trust and, and, and building that respect factor. You know, we, we talk about, you know, what really makes championship teams, the best, the best teams in the world are filled with the best teammates. Yes. And that's something that's something that we don't really talk about. And a lot of times um, now, because of, because we have these OTAs and mandatory mini camps and blah, 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 blah. And these guys are here for multiple months. We'd like to, I think from a coach's perspective, we'd like to kind of, pine for hey these guys need to get together and build these relationships in this offseason because lifting weights in in april has some sort of impact on on their ability to be a team in july i know you and i don't necessarily follow that train of thought but i think from a coach's perspective especially when you have new guys in you're just trying to make sure that hey do i have a good group is my room a good room Mm -hmm. is there something that i'm is there is there a certain way i'm gonna have to treat individual players is there something i need to think about or or tell them to think about when they go away for july and they spend that month away you know Mm -hmm. ag one of the one of the weirdest things and you you know give me your perspective on this Mm -hmm. is we still have a have a off-season platform where we work out april may june Mm -hmm. take a month off and then go into training camp and and if you if you kind of looked at like any kind of periodization model or any kind of athlete development model you would never take four to five weeks off right before you if things get serious, right? There'd always be like a ramp up period. And, and it seems like we had, we still have it backwards. Now I know that, I know that we all value that time in July, mm-hmm. but I think the, I think the fear factor for teams is that a lot of guys will come back out of shape. Correct. Correct. And uh, you know, looking into that, that last minute stretch, that four or five weeks, how I looked at it the same way you looked at it, that was more of a tune up phase for me. So when I would come out of camp, I would uh, obviously talk with my coaches in terms of running backs and then the head coach in terms of what they want out of me and what they saw out of me and what, where I can, you know, get better or not, or just stay where I'm at and just keep it going on cruise control or whatever, in terms of my knowledge. And then physically they could see, you know, obviously what type of shit I was in running sprints, running the ball down the field, whatever, catching the ball and that nature. So for every position, like you mentioned, every coach is going to say, Hey, to each player in their room, this is what I, like this is what I don't like, or you know, a good coach will let you don't you know honestly know yeah. that. I was gonna say a, a good coach will do that because I'll, I'll be real honest with you. I didn't have a single coach do that for me until my exit interview, my last season in the National Football League. So yeah, for Seattle years, or Carolina. So that was that was in Seattle. I had Mike right. Solari, and at my exit interview, he handed me it. We kind of went over some stuff, and he handed me a DVD. And he said, hey, these are the things I want you to work on next year. And I, and I ended up not playing because of my shoulder. Mm-hmm. But just from the seven games, he had put together some clips of things that, listen, this is the areas of opportunity that you need to work on. And I always really – I had never gotten that information before. I never got that feedback 
kind of going into a, a time where I was going to work on my own stuff. I'd always had to kind of figure it out on my own or figure it out mm-hmm. from the guys around me. And so I, I really, really value that. So I hope that a lot of these Packer coaches are thinking about, okay, what can I give these guys as far as information to build on, whether it's film study, whether it's some sort of strength mobility, whether it's technique, mm-hmm. what can they build on right now? So they feel like when they're coming into training mm-hmm. camp, man, I've fulfilled kind of everything. I've ticked all the boxes that I wanted and I've ticked all the boxes that these coaches wanted because that really helps build confidence. Exactly. Exactly. Because uh, for yourself, you know what you want. You know, you want to feel a certain way. You looked at if you didn't do it, you should be doing it as a pro, you know, cataloging how your previous years ended and then how the offseason's trended for you, you know, up and down your weight, um, you know, where your weight was in, in November to December for playoff push, where your weight was from January to March for off-season conditioning and then sit still till now, you know, categorizing those little details because those little details, I remember keeping track of my weight. You know, the my prime weight was between, uh, was pretty much around 218. And that was the years from 2000 to about 2004. And if I got a little heavier or two, I say more of the heavy side, obviously. And I say one in 04, I kind of got a little bit heavy because I don't know if you remember, I had that, uh, I had a weird ankle injury where it was like if my ankle was inflaming, so I couldn't practice that much. So yeah. I bought my weight had risen or risen to around 222. I was still productive, but I knew okay, that's not my my uh, the weight I want to be. I want to be fine that way. So players got to understand that too from their side, but also listen listening to that coach. If like like your coach in Seattle gave you that DVD, that's priceless. And that, and to me, that tells me okay, man, this coach wants me to get better, exactly. and regardless of my age. You know, you're a veteran, you're 12, you're 13, you know, 11, 12 at that time. And he still want me to, to do this. So because he understands that having you ready to go with these errors now, these areas now better by Trent, by uh, July and August, it, it makes it all the better for even for the rookies that got to get better overall and, and learn their just their playbook and comfortable to the team. But then having a guy that understands it like you, I say that that right there, that's a reward and just um, that sweat equity. That a, that a coach right there who doesn't have to do much and it's all on the player, you know, to come in. Ready to, go for to me, that's game. part of the job. I yeah. mean, honestly, and it's and and I say that knowing, you know, make, I just made the statement. I didn't get that until my last year. But that that really is for me. That's part of the job. It should be, you know, if you go into other sports and you look at, you know, they they, they call them IDPs. They call them individual development plans. Yeah. They do them in soccer all the time. And every yeah. quarter, every four weeks, whatever it is, they'll sit down and they'll say, "Hey, listen, these are the areas of opportunity. It could be one page. It could be four pages. These are the things that." we consider important criteria for your, your position requirements. Mm-hmm. These are the things that you need to work on. These are the things you want to, we want you to lean on. These are kind of your superpowers and mm-hmm. we're going to, we're going to continue to change this and, and make changes and, 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 and uh, inform you on what the expectations are and how the mm-hmm. expectations change from, from quarter to quarter, but it really gives athletes a blueprint for success. Cause that's one thing that we don't, we don't inherently have a lot of us, is this kind of internal, like how we're going to get there. We know we want to get there, right. but how are we going to get there? And that's where a coach can really make a monster difference of an a-, a difference in an athlete's life. Yeah. And because it, it, it lets the player know exactly what he needs to do to work on. Um, he knows, like I mentioned, he already knows what he wants to do personally, but now he knows what, from a team standpoint, what the team wants him to look at to uh, get ready for a training camp going into that uh, later in, in the summer, basically. So going into that. So what, if you're able to see video or any highlights or anything about mini camp or training camp or mini camp for these players. So who has been, who, who do you think will be a breakout player for the Packers this, uh, this upcoming season? That's, 
you know, that's a great question, man. I guess I'm being hopeful, and I don't, I don't take anything. You and I don't take anything away from OTAs. We won't take anything from any camps. I mean, right, the guy looks good. It doesn't matter at all. But I think for me, there's a couple guys that I would really love to see be breakout players because of the positions they play and the, and the necessity of, of of having like a monster player there. Mm-hmm. And the first one might be Josiah Deguara. Oh, tight end. Yeah. Yeah. Because we don't have a two eight, we don't have a two eight tight end. Uh, Mercedes Lewis is, is getting much older. He obviously is not a threat in the passing game, um, like Tunyon is. But Tunyon is is coming off an ACL and is not a William Blocker. Now he has a great relationship with Aaron Rodgers. He's built that up, so he is a mm-hmm. receiving threat, and that is a huge part of the offense. And I don't want to discount that because sometimes I do discount that as far as him not being a complete tight end. Right. But I would love to see a guy like Deguara put on a couple pounds get some more experience and be that guy that can be in there every single down, stretch the defense, stretch the linebackers, but also be in there in, in the running game. So I would love DeGuara to be a guy. Um, I, John Runyon Jr. had a great first year as a starter. Right. right. He, he wasn't a breakout player, but I see him, you know, we talked to him, we had him on the show. I see him being a guy that could take a huge step this year and become like one of those guys who is starting to be mentioned of, around some of the better guards in the league. You know, we talked mm-hmm. about, you know, he talked about the things he wanted to work on to get there, just get that more experience, get a little bit stronger, a little bit, you know, more athletic and, and keep refining this technique. So I'm a huge fan of him and, and hope that, that that continues to progress. He makes that kind of year. And I know it's year three for him, but that year yeah. two of starting bounce. And then the last guy for me, it's going to sound crazy, but Mm. We we know we know Savage, you know if if he can, yeah. if he if he I was, becomes, he's on my list too. Yeah, if you he, know if he becomes a, a tackler, you know, an <clears throat> tackler, then we listen. We got a really really good secondary, and yeah. he's going to be in there, and he's going to be in there for long haul. If he shows up ten pounds bigger and a, and a really good track and tackle player in the alleys, that could do wonders for this this defense. Yeah, I'm gonna piggyback with that with Darnell. You know, we talked about him last season. He had a couple of mishaps, you know, during big games, once in the playoffs, where he wasn't tracking certain players that should have been his responsibility on a defensive coverage. And and from a player to you know have that issue, now let's see where he can go. And like you say, coming in heavier, being a safety, be a guy who can help with the run. That's important because the way as we see some of these teams are trending, the ones that are going to the playoffs, they still have a run game. You know, they're not yeah. big battering ram backs like when during, you know, during our time, just a few teams, but not the teams, I say, in the NFC. You know, there's more AFC running backs like a Derrick Henry, you know, like a, a Jonathan Taylor, who we'll talk about here in a little bit, you know, for the Colts. Those are AFC running backs. Not a lot here in the NFC, but a few that can, but they got not guys they're going to face, you know, twice a year, you know, being in Minnesota, being in Detroit or being in Chicago. Good running backs, Montgomery, a Cook. But not the running backs uh, that we, you know, that you need to have that safety come down. But it's going to be beneficial and a bonus. I say for me, I'm, I'm looking at the rookie. I'm gonna look at the rookie wide receiver, Christian Watson. I like his build. I like, you know, him and his speed. And now, just I, I wish I could have been on the sidelines in minicamp just to see how he's running routes, how he's coming out of breaks, how his hands are, you know, how how he comes, you know, how he's going to go against Zaire in, in in practice, how he's going to try to work him to get better. You know, you want, you know, we, you say it all the time, iron sharpens iron. The better player will make you better on that football field. So to see how he went up against those guys on that defensive mm-hmm. backfield that we're talking about um, and uh, see and then see how he, you know, mentally comes out of it, basically, see how his hands are. And I say for for me too, a guy that I say that you had a lot of praise for and and I'm, I'm you know, it's, it's in my uh, neighborhood is Josh Myers. If he could stay healthy, yeah. how that whole season is going to go for them. That's because a good point. Because seeing, because we know all line, everything stops and starts with the offensive line. I know this, you know this. 
um, him as a leader, but then the, the just the physical present that he brings in there and the leadership, being a center, being the you know the guy who pretty much sets everybody up to get in the right position, but also from the playing standpoint can go in there and do his job and do it very well. That's a guy I'm high on to have a breakout year, you know, staying healthy for really all these players, but then yeah. because we know that was the only thing that held him back. When he got in that game and played, he was on top level status of, of, of guys knowing defensively, like, okay, we got a problem. We can't really get in here. We can't do this. We can't do these teams and these uh, ETs that we can with, with Josh because he understands how what's coming at him. Ohio State has done a good job with him and Corey Lindsey, other linemen and centers coming out of that class of, or yeah, that school of athlete. That's such a great point. And, and I think we're both bringing up offensive linemen because – in part, at least, because big, the big man Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins, yes. we, we don't really know their status, and we don't know how they're going to come back. And yeah, we so know when they're healthy what they do. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. But we just don't know what they – you know, listen, I, I, I had a life-changing or, or a, a career-changing shoulder injury. Like, you just don't mm -hmm. know what you're going to come back from. And having opportunities for guys to step up is – a necessary evil in the National Football League. And, and I think, luckily, again, we've had really good coaches. Stanovich is now going to coordinator. That's really going to help the development of the offensive line because they're not going to be put in bad situations. But, you know, Myers, I think of anybody on that line who's going to take the next step and be, you know, an, a, a pro ball, all pro caliber guy, it's probably Myers. I think you're spot on there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So from that, we're rolling to, I say, my top three. I say running backs in each conference, man. AG's top threes, man. That's putting a lot of pressure, but no, it's 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 not that hard when you look at it. And uh, just starting at the top, and I'm gonna start in the NFC. I'm gonna start okay. with a guy that was that played in this state, but he played a little bit, a couple hours south of me, down in uh, Wisconsin, down in Madison. So Jonathan Taylor with the Colts. I found this stat, Mike. Check this out. So running backs to play at least seventy percent of offensive snaps, mm. 2006. It was eight. Okay. Now I say it was eight. And I say, actually, Close. no, I'm sorry. 2006 was eight. I said running backs to play at least 60% of offensive snaps was at 18. So that's 2006. So that okay. was that was my time on the field and your time on the field. So now in 21, 70% one. Yeah. <laughs> Back in 20. And then 60% five. Yeah, it's it's a totally different <laughs> game. I mean, we look at it with oh, the Packers with, with, with AJ and, and Aaron, right? I mean, right. Like, it's it's a it's a it's that kind of system, and I, you know what I'm really interested in though with that with that statement. I with I don't want to get too digress too far here, but right. how how much longer are these guys playing because they're platooning? I don't think it's that much longer, really. Not it? much longer. No, yeah. it, it, it's still around three to four years, if that. You know, we look at guys like myself, Adrian Peterson, Frank Gore, who just retired, who you like, uh, who I like. We both respected a lot yeah. for his time on the field. You know, playing through injuries, but then being effective. You know, he's number three all-time leading rusher in the NFL. You know, there's not much to say about that. He will be probably, you know, if he's not a first battle Hall of Fame, that's a shame. But he, he will, he's a first battle Hall of Fame. Yeah. There's no way. It, 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 yeah, it, yeah, if it's a problem with because he didn't. Maybe not a first battle Hall of Fame boxer, but a first battle. Yeah. <laughs> he's gotten better, though. I watched the fight. Yeah, he, he just had, had a fight. He got better. I think he won that fight, too. He did. Uh, but, my, but my number one guy, like you said, not to digress, my number one guy, Jonathan Taylor, um, along with that offensive line. You already know that line. You, yeah. you know it very well, coach very well, but then has the athletes. And along with that combination, a guy who has good vision as a runner and he has track speed, when the line basically does their job, gets their run fits and on that, you know, and the aggression they have, the size they have and the technique, 
and the ambition to get their running back down the field. That's the Colts offensive line up and down. That's what helps him. And he's only, you know, he's what, 22, 23 years old. He's he's still got some he's young a home run threat every play, isn't he? I mean, that's that's the yes. thing about Jonathan Taylor, maybe more so than anybody else in the league right now, is is because they open holes like they do and he's untouched for three yards. Yes, he's, he's a big play threat. He's you know touchdown every single play every time he touches the ball. And I don't think there's anybody else in the league that you can say that about. Yeah, so only only other person that you could probably say is Nick Chubb, the, ne- the next guy. So another yeah. AFC back, Nick Chubb, is just I say between him and Derrick Henry, who's my next back. Um, the only thing that slows them down is injury. You know, yep. when they're healthy, you know, uh, Derrick Henry had the foot injury last year. Um, Chubb had a shoulder and I think a knee last year, but when he when he was healthy, he was very effective. Yards per carry average over 4.1. You know, so the guys that do that, I say 3.5 is the norm. I say 3.0 is what you want out of any running back from the Division One college, to, you know, from Division One college to NFL Pro Bowl level. You want a three three yard or more average, and they have that. These running backs do that, and then find like I talk about Nick. So that's Nick Chubb. That's Jonathan Nick Chubb. Dare hurry with the time. Are you going in order? Is that one, two, three for you? Yes, yeah, one, two, three for me. Okay. Right there. You know, and there's no NFC backs, unfortunately. I say I will bring in Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon. Aaron Jones is just that, but he's that back. It's just a, it's more of a size thing. Mm-hmm. From his size compared to these guys, he don't he doesn't match up because he's right around 200, maybe 190. Mm-hmm. I'm at the 200. I'm giving him some, but Lafleur does a good job. I hope he continues to do a good job to put him in situations where on plays that he wins mm-hmm. outside run plays, screen plays, getting him out of there. Cause in between them tackles, that's AJ Dillon territory for his weight and his size to help his running back knowing that, okay, my running back is not a bruiser. He's not yes. going to beat you up in the middle. He's going to, he's going to sting you slash you with his speed to get to the corners. So toss plays, uh, handoffs outside that we know of, get him out of that box. In the yeah. box, that's A.J. Dillon territory. So help him, which they do. They put him split, sometimes slot, wide receiver screens to him to get him using what his ability is, that is his speed and his agility to break through. And he did have a big after tackle, after first contact. He had the biggest yards after first contact, which was great for his size. But you don't want to sit on that because for the playoff run, you want to make sure that you got both running backs moving in that, you know, I say tandem of backs in that Packer backfield. Yeah, I love Aaron. I mean, listen, we, Aaron Jones is a physical runner too. I know he's small, but he, he's he's a physical runner. I, we really appreciate about him. And I think early in the season, we would probably say he's more physical than AJ Dillon mm-hmm. until AJ kind of got his feet underneath him, and then he obviously had a, a great kind of second half of the season into that playoff game. Uh, I, I would only say this about so I, I love Christian McCaffrey was hurt last year. Christian McCaffrey's yep. really good. Yeah, he's on Al, the list Al, too. Alvin, Alvin Kamara is amazing, amazing, healthy, amazing, healthy. amazing. Very um, both of them. Yeah, and and the only thing I would say about your your list is, as much as I like your order, Derrick Henry has the worst offensive line of those guys, and he's and he's arguably the best guy. I mean, the right. other two the other two guys have the two best offensive lines of football. Uh, so know? that's Taylor and uh, yeah. So the so the so the Browns and the Colts. Yeah, the Browns. Taylor's as, and, uh, Colts and, and Browns. Correct. Yeah, yeah. As 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 far as the run game goes, they're probably the the best offensive lines in football for the run game, and so there's. They're, those guys are really good. Not taking anything away from them. I'm mm-hmm. just adding more to Derrick Henry because Derrick Henry's line isn't that good. Okay, and and you would know that, yeah. And 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 then it just it, it goes to show you what the work he's doing. You know, he's it, he's unbelievable to me, dude. And when you see him, ag like yeah, I mean, he doesn't even look. It, it's not even normal. It he's a tight fair, end, man. He's a small tight end. 
You know, he's he, five. Was he six three, two forty seven? Okay. There was like a picture where he was standing next to uh, uh, Mark Ingram, who's not a small man. No. Right. He's standing next to Mark Ingram, and he looked like it looked like Spike and Ike, dude, from like Looney Tunes. I mean, he's that. <laughs> I mean, he's that much. He's like six four, two fifty. I mean, it's ridiculous. You know. Right. It's right. like so, I, I remember, I'll never forget. What we hey, dude, we we rolled up on. Arizona, the Arizona Cardinals were playing in Tempe Stadium back in the day, and we had to walk up that like quarter mile hill. Yes, we walk I up there, and the first guy that we all see is all the offensive and defensive linemen. We're all big dudes, right? The first guy we see is David Boston coming right out of. Uh, you told the story, yeah. Oh, uh, dude, and <laughs> like that's how Mark, that, that's how Derrick Henry is to me. Like he's not that level. David Boston was like he must have been two hundred seventy-five pounds. He was yo, yeah. But he's, so- he's a different animal. Yes, yes. So to throw some NFC running backs, you mentioned one, Christian McCaffrey, a guy that only thing is holding him back is health, be staying healthy. He had a soft tissue injuries, hamstrings, a little knee sprains, ankle stuff there. But when he's full tilt, he's a problem. Um, yeah. He's physical for his. He's a little, you know, for his size, physicality. He brings it. But then that it's the passing game that I like about him. I was gonna say, is, is him and Kamara? If Man. you just look, if you just looked at like. Guys that can do everything, yes, they're, they're probably the best too, right? If guys can do anything, you see him and Kamara speed yeah. about the same, and and it, it's, it's their able their ability to make guys miss in space. Mm-hmm. Christian McCaffrey and McCor- uh, uh, Alvin, when when it's one on one, I already I'm already thinking about the next guy. I'm not worried about the guy that's on him. He's about to lose this guy. Either he's going to run him over or juke him or jump over him. One of the three. You know, he they lose they use all their tools to get by a guy and they make it look real simple. And so then another uh NFC running back, it'd be Delvin Cook. His younger brothers will be in the league this year, but for Minnesota Viking guys, a guy who then is the same size as Aaron uh, Aaron Jones, but plays a little bit heavier than what his weight is. He played through injury again this year with shoulder, I think a knee or ankle, something like that, but guy that played through it. And that showed just how his toughness is in this NFC division. So um, NFC division, NFC North um, as well. So I'll say him and then and I'm trying to think anybody else. I think that's about rounds out yeah, the best I mean, of the NFC and the AFC James, right James there. Connor's in there. But like yeah, I, I also Eckler you could throw in there because, you know, he's on a good team. And now that team got better who we're going to talk about here in, the, in terms of the best of the worst of divisions coming up here. I, I, I defer to you, obviously, with running backs. I, I really love both our guys. I, I mean, I, yes. I, and I'm not just – because they were Packers guys, I I really think they're excellent, excellent players. They should be there. I think they could be perennial pole bowlers. I think they just, unfortunately, we talked about this at, at length, like the platoon system, they're going to, they're going to eat their own yardage. You know, there's, they're, yeah. they're gonna, we might have 2000 yard backs, but you're not going to have a guy with huge numbers because it's just not the nature of the business up there in Green Bay. Correct. If that thing could, you know, work out the way it should, then they got multiple, you know, Super Bowls under their belt, under on their fingers, you know, things of that nature. So we'll roll into uh, the best, the worst to first. So what divisions could you see a new leader? And I'll start off with you, Mike, on that. <clears throat> so let's go. Well, there's there's eight teams right now. Last yep. place last year: Lions, Jags, Jets, Giants, Panthers, Seattle, Denver, and Cleveland. Okay. Correct. So yep. for me. Uh, well, I think let's just get this out of the way. I don't think the Lions. <laughs> right, is is hard. I feel, I'm feeling pretty confident the Jags aren't. the The Jets are not. The a lot Giants. To do. Are, the The Giants. You just never know what you're going to get with the NFC East. But I don't think the Giants can go from worst. I just don't think they. I like that they brought in a new coach. Um, I'm right. a big fan. Joe Shane. I know very well the general manager. I think he's mm-hmm. going to do an excellent job there. Um, I still don't think they have the quarterback to win the division. The Panther. Now here's the deal. You don't ever really know when the wheels are going to fall off with Tampa Bay. 
Okay. True. Yeah. And the Panthers, I don't have a ton of faith in the Panthers, but the Panthers could show up. I mean, let's just say, let's say this quarter, this rookie quarterback Corral comes in. I don't think Sam Darnold's a guy, but Corral could come yeah. in, do something special. They have weapons around them. They have a good defense. Um, you know, they're they're a team. I think that's that division in general is, is going to be. Everybody's just assuming the default is Tampa, and it might it might very well be. But if Tampa slips up, if Tom Brady gets hurt, they're they're a team that could be in the battle. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think Seattle has a chance. I don't think Denver has a has a, a chance at all. Um, I know that everyone's excited about Russell Wilson being there. I don't think he'd have a chance to win that division. Cleveland has a chance to win it if Deshaun Watson gets to play at all. True. They I, have a good they have a good team. And you look at look Pittsburgh. I know Cincinnati. I, Cincinnati's got to regress to the mean in my book. Like, there's no way they come out and win like 16 games or something this year. Like, I, I, I think they're going to be a good team. But I, you know, even with the pickups that they made of uh, the offensive line, they still have the yeah. same fundamental problem. They didn't change the coaching staff. They didn't change the way that Joe, Joe Burrow plays. Like, there's going to be some fundamental problems. They didn't bring in guys that are just like Lyle Collins is not like a pass protection wizard on the playing right tackle. Like, we're we're not. Let's let's not act like guys are things that they're not. So, right. So I, I just think – and the Ravens, look, they're just injured every year. So you just don't know what you're going right. to get in that division. That's going to be a lot of competition. They kind of eat their own lunches. So Cleveland could show up and, and play well as long as they get Deshaun Watson for any length of time, which, boy, some of the stories that came out last week, man, you just have no idea what's going to happen there. No, you know, I mean, I mean, you know, banking on Cleveland, so like you said, staying healthy and then the, uh, Deshaun Watson playing, and that is something that we'll know before training camp. And that decision there will then kind of – kind of lay the groundwork on how their season is going to go, you know, into training camp. Denver, again, for me, it's going to be you want to see them win because they got a good player in a, in a Russell Wilson. They got some tools. They got the Noah Fant, you know, the kid Noah Fant uh, tight end, and they got a run game with Williams. No, so Noah Fant went to Seattle. Yeah. Oh, he, oh, that's right. That's right. They, they traded him. That, that, that was one of those oh, deals God. where you're like, dude, you just traded away. I mean, like, right. you, yeah, you know what? Guys. Yeah, I did. You got some I other guys. And they I blanked on that. But still, yeah, there's so it's still an interesting part. Seattle, too, you know, they got not the quarterback level there. Uh, defensively, they lost Wagner, too. So it's a lot of open spots there to lead, for leadership to get replaced. But also, you know, playing in that division is still a tough division, the NFC West. NFC, yeah. <laughs> and now they're, they, they're looking at potentially being at the bottom of that division. And uh, again, what Panthers, I agree with you, Darnold, is more of a, a Band-Aid instead of the actual solution to a problem there at the quarterback position. Um, Jags and Lions, again, just a disarray of uh, rebuilding, starting over rebuilding, and really don't even know who is the foreman right now. We, we got <laughs> Because there's been so many real build, rebuilding processes. We got to root for the Jags because of, of Doug. You know, Doug's down the run in the show. Yeah, now. Doug, the Doug Jags, Peterson. You know, and yeah. he, he, was, he did a great job in Philly. Um, it's that that just seems and and Chad Khan actually seems like a great owner. I don't know what, it, but every like yeah, every he sounds step, like a good businessman. Correct. Yeah, and then every step you're like, oh, you guys screwed up again. Like, how do you guys keep screwing up? You seem like a good dude. Uh, and, I, we're rooting for Doug, but that historically that just seems like a really tough job. Yeah, um, you see with with the Jags, um, or I say with any any team that has been where they almost reset too soon. That reset is now another two years out. Yeah. Because you know, when you get a new coaching staff, that's a that year is pretty much a wash unless something special happens. Where they they have, you know, you go back to when we we're in college, 
first year of the Carolina Panthers, what happens? They go to an NFC championship game. They come up here, they came, you know, and lose to the Packers. But that was year one. But they had a lot of good veterans on that team. So, you don't, you know, that's an occasional thing that happens. So, it's not like when Bruce Arians walks into Tampa Bay. And Correct. Was, yeah, yeah, it's, it's and that's bad. the modern day version of that. They actually yeah. walk in, they get Tom, they get Grunk. You know, they they have they already had the pieces in place for defense. Everybody on that defense was a was a pro bowler, was an all pro. <laughs> so now it's like this. Now we got the offense together. I knew then this is before we started our show. I knew then that first year I was like, I called them going to the playoffs. Super Bowl, that was still, you know, a far bit off. But playoffs, 100 percent. You got a guy coming in. He already won six Super Bowls. Perennial Pro Bowler, as we know, Hall of Famer is about to get paid. He's already got a, a job lined up for him that's going to get get him paid more than he played when he was on the football field getting beat up. Now just talking in the mic, he's going to be making more. So it just shows you that right there walking in. Like you say, for Bruce Aaron said, come in that. That's rarely going to happen. So for the Lions and Jacks, that's been a reset, continued reset over the last, I say, 20 years. Do you think least. the Jags are the last place in the NFC North again? Unfortunately, yes. I believe so. Just because it's just the resets. It's just too much. The culture has not been able to get developed. A winning they culture. Keep, they keep talking about DC. Like, I like Dan. Like, I know Dan. I like Dan. And right. I, I'm sure guys are playing for him. I'm sure guys love him. Like he's oh, you talking about Detroit? In yeah, Detroit? he's a lovable yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah. So I'm out there. I don't know if that translates to wins. You know, quite frankly, yeah, I just don't know if it translates to wins. True. And, and listen, we want to see player coaches, former players who are coaches, do well, right? Very, but you yeah, have to so. be in the right situation. You have to be the right guy, and you have to surround yourself with the right people. Like he's got a he's got a, a largely a player led staff. So you know, I'm rooting for him, but. It's just they just don't look good on paper at all. Right. It'll come around one day. So heading into trench warfare. So Mike, what you talking about here in the, yeah, the so trench, you know the war- man? Yeah, so so the Warriors have a death lineup. We're talking about the Golden State Warriors playoff. You explain know, death right? lineup to yeah, me. So explain death, that. Yeah, so the Warriors have a death lineup that they were talking about during the season where listen, if they had Draymond, Clay, Steph, Poole, and Wiggins on the court at the same time, they called it the death lineup, and it was like they were plus a million points. On everybody oh, else when they played him. So the better roster, basically. Yeah, so it's basically like you can't – you might not be able to sustain that lineup forever because of their size and everything. But I just started thinking about like on, off, on the offensive defensive side of the ball, what's our death lineup up front for Green Bay on defense? And, mm. and, and then we can talk about offensive personnel as well. But for like the defensive side last year, it was kind of obvious. It never came to fruition because Z got hurt. Yep. But it was, you know, it was like Kenny Clark, Preston Smith, Z, and Rashad Gary. That's a death lineup, right? Like you have nowhere to hide if you no. got those five, if you got those four guys in the lineup. Right now, it's a tough call for me. I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, but before I get into it, but it's no, hundred percent, it is a tough call. Like last year, I knew before the season start, I agree. You know, Zadarius, Preston, um, you got Rashad Gary. That was. We're hoping to have a good season, which he did. He showed up. Zaire Alexander on the back end, along with Savage in the defensive backfield, you know, and then Campbell wakes up. Devontae Campbell, um, uh, trying to think, and then Clark, Kenny Clark in the D line. So you had those guys in place, but you saw, you know, then Z's out with the back most of the year. Zaire's out for most of the year with, uh, I think, a hammy or a knee, something like that. Um, so yeah, it's, it's just question marks. Is it there? Yes. So that lineup is there. It just, Hopefully they can stay healthy. And same with the offensive line with Buck being back. Josh Maris, like I mentioned already, he him staying healthy. Then that offensive line, we have those two guys in place. 
you know, it makes them it makes them tough up front. Yeah, our, our offensive line, if we're healthy, we're gonna be really good. I think I think defensively the, the question you have to ask is if we're just talking about four guys, then is Wyatt going to beat NFL guards year one? And I, I say mm-hmm. probably not. I mean, if we're just being honest, like I think no, yeah, you got to learn. Yeah, I mean, it's I listen when they brought Tommy Harrison from Oklahoma for the Chicago Bears, like we knew he was going to be really good, but he wasn't going to beat us year one, right? No. And, and, and Tank Johnston, they were good players. They, they weren't going to beat us year one. It takes a couple of years or a TSC at least one year for most of these guys. Mm-hmm. So is he going to supplant Lowry in that situation? Yeah, he might because he is a little bit quicker off the ball. He's going to be a little, little fast twitch, a little unnatural movement that's going to give guys trouble. You have to expect Preston Smith is going to follow up like, you know, he had a drop off year and then he, he came back and played really well this year. Mm-hmm. So we expect him to have another good season. Rashad Gary is going to be a game plan player this year. Like I yeah. mark my words, they will game plan for Rashad Gary this year. And then Kenny Clark can still refine his pass rush moves. And you have four guys that are good there. What I did think about in this is this is where ha- having a guy drafting a guy like Quay Walker first and being able to stay in a nickel package with two linebackers in the game and now use Quay Walker as a guy who can travel, a guy that can you know play zone and in the range. Yeah, he has, yeah, range. has a little more range. And now we can actually keep Devondre Campbell in and use him as that pick player because, look, he's a, he's a good-sized linebacker, right? Like he's going to give running backs, tight ends. He's going to give them problems. And we can use him as a pick player in like a tackle-tackle end game those three-man kind of games, he's not going to beat somebody one-on-one. He's not a Micah Parsons, but mm-hmm. he is a, he is a guy that is capable of kind of getting into the in, into the uh, the gaps and creating a little bit of havoc. So that is maybe where a guy like Quay Walker, we see that real value um, is being able to stay in, in in a nickel package, maybe going instead of going to a dime. Yeah, Quay Walker is 6'4", 240, but he's more of a slim build and has that speed element. So he could kind of be like that rover, a rover back that we had back during our time, a guy that we knew – he could stop, help stop the run, but he could also, like you said, take that slot receiver. And usually those slot receiver builds, are you talking about like a, a Wes Walker side, a Randall Cobb at his prime size that is going to be running around, you know, disrupting the middle, trying to, you know, outbeat linebackers in the middle. That would be a guy who could keep up with them. And in the division, in terms of the North, there's going to be a few that like, like Minnesota, they got KJ Osborne, they have uh, uh, feeling that are doing their things up in the middle. Um, but then for the conference wise, we, you know, you got the Cowboys, you got, you got uh, uh, the Rams, you got those teams that got those receivers that can cause problems and Woods will be back for the Rams. I don't know if the, I can't remember if the Rams are on the schedule for the Packers this year, but in that conference though, that's a first, playoff first division, right? That's a playoff uh, uh, talk and set up to get ready for it. But having Corey Walker ready in his development during that time, you know, during the time that uh, training camp starts to then the regular season and uh, playoffs. So it is definitely, you that's, know, a that's lot a good of package. What do you think yeah, about from, from a personnel package? Now let's talk about, is there a death package that you would have offensively? Right. Like, yeah. I, you know, so for me, for me, it's like, I, there's not even a four receiver set that I really even am excited about right now. Yeah. That right. doesn't mean they're not going to be good. But you just kind of think about, okay, where are we, where are we going to apply pressure? And this is going to sound weird, but I think Christian Washington, Christian Watson, you Watson. pencil in because yep. he takes the top off the defense, right? He, he runs a four three six. He's six foot five. Lazard is just coming into his own. You you put yep. you pencil him in. Now, yep. if Tunyon's healthy, he's yep. got a great rapport with Aaron Rodgers. A great hundred percent. Right? So, so you you pencil him in, and you but with the caveat, like I don't want you near the tackle. I want you to line up in a two-point stance. 
You can be hipped off. I want you out. You know, we want to be yeah, using you to press the defense, right? Yeah, we're not using the block. Right. Basically. So and so here's here's where I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of go off on a, a divergent path here. Okay. I would love to see AJ Dillon in the backfield and Aaron Jones playing that motion Ooh. Debo Samuel, toss sweep, jet yeah. sweep, swing passes with the dive, mm-hmm. right? Screen guy. I would love to see that package because now you've got Two receivers, you've got a tight end and a running back in the slot. You can identify coverages with motion, and you can take advantage of what Aaron Jones does best, which is run hard into space. Exactly. So you said you got Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon on the field at the same time, Christian yes. Watson, and then Tunyon. So that's Tunyon your and Lazard. And then O-line, who you, who you got? So offensive line, listen, Bakhtiari, J.R.J., Myers. Now listen, this Sean Ryan kid, like the more I think about it, he's got the build right now to play. Yeah, he's got good great size. He has good size. Yeah, he's got he's got the build to play. So it's it's either it's either going to be him or Royce. And then when Jenkins comes back, I think Jenkins goes to right tackle. Yeah, he has a size three yeah. uh, six five three ten. Yeah, I think Jenkins you know. plays right tackle that they since they got rid of Billy. Um it it just makes too much sense to keep uh, John Ren Jr. at left guard. I think he's just going to continue to develop. I like that and I'll tell you why. I like that because not only can you run, you know, smash and grab, basically, you could, you know, three yards in a collar dust up the middle. You got AJ, you got AJ Dillon, and you have Aaron Jones to let them know, like, okay, what, what's going on there? Um, is this run pass or is this run um, speed run or is this run? Are we about to punch you in the mouth run with AJ Dillon? And that can happen. But then also with Tunyon, with Christian Watson, it's like, okay, you got to be, we're going to keep you honest defense. You don't, you can't put eight or nine in the box because if you got those guys eight or nine in the box, we got whatever number he's going to wear for the regular season. If it's going to be number one or whatever, Watson, he's going to take the top off. And then now you got maybe one guy on your defense that could keep up with him. And he's physical. So after he catches the ball, he's not going to just, you know, go down with a, a one arm tackle. He's going to beat you up. So that is where I like it because you got a, you got an offensive personnel that makes your defense, that makes the defense they're facing be like, oh, crap. Now, how are we going to stop this? What personnel That's is the run. defense going to work, right? And, exactly. And are you going to get a five-man box every play for the A.J. You can't do that. Six-man box? Right. Dude, if you had a six-man box every every play, you would average six yards a carry. <laughs> exactly. You know what I mean? Like, this, nope. it, it'll. It, I think that presents all kinds of problems. It's just a question of how many actual things can we do with Aaron Jones in that package. Exactly. And it brings to me my memory back to my first season in Green Bay where Mike Sherman put in a package with me and Dorsey in the backfield. Mm-hmm. And we're in green set or a red set, red right, red left, mm-hmm. in tandem backs. And I remember looking over the defense. We're playing in Arizona my first year in 2000 and Nick Fredrickson, linebacker for the Cardinals at that time. I looked dead in his eyes and his eyes go from like this. He goes. Yeah, they don't know what to call. He's like. <laughs> he see Dorsey. He sees thirty. He's like, there's two running backs. Hold up, timeout. You know, it, but there's no timeout. Ball got snapped. Boom, boom. I run the Texas route. Dorsey runs to the flat, and they like, they're just totally scatterbrained because they like, wait a minute, these are two backs. This could be a power run. This could be a screen to either one. Where do we go for? And that's the problem that an offensive coordinator or players of that personnel package can cause problems throughout the season. And then if people stay healthy, then that's just one extra playbook of plays that you have. But you know what? We're going to go to this. You're basically dictating if they stay in like, for, and that's, that's, that's 21 personnel. If you're, you're, if you're going to stay in base personnel, Aaron Jones is going to eat up your linebacker. So you're going to have day. to be, you're going to be in zone all day. So you basically know what you're going to get every single, every single snap. Right. Yeah. And that's, 
what I that's what I when I start thinking about it, like that's what I would love about that particular personnel package. We'll call that the death package. Hopefully we see it. Oh man, we see that, then we already know what's coming at the guys in uh, NFC North and any teams on that schedule coming up. So we're gonna get off our lawn. Uh, so who's on your line this week? You got oh, somebody's okay. girlfriend that, that that did something crazy. I know the movie. I've seen. Have you seen the movie? All pass. Okay, so I, I haven't seen the movie. This was Check an actual. Movie out, please this, this watch is, the movie. This, oh, this is old, with Owen Wilson. I have seen the movie. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah the great movie. Yeah. Hilarious. So, so this, I, I people have probably seen this already, but if you haven't, I haven't seen. I don't. Even, I don't even know how to Google this, this. But there was an interview done over the last week, and this guy's walking around and says, and he says to this couple that are just boyfriend girlfriend in their in their twenties, probably, and he goes, he goes, if you could have a hall pass, do you guys know what a hall pass is? And they both go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you guys have that? No, no, no. Okay, well, if you could have a hall pass with anybody in the world, who would it be? And there, you know, most people say celebrities and whatnot, you know. And the and they go anybody and the girl goes, I can have a hall pass with anyone. And she looks at her boyfriend and the boyfriend says, Yeah, you can say whatever you want. He, he's probably thinking like Shakira, right? She goes, My ex boyfriend. Mary redeemed a fifty thousand dollar cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun with over eighty casino style games to choose from. You too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to chumbacasino.com and give them a world. That's chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. Eighteen plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Progressive presents Adjusting to the Suburbs. You just bought a home in the suburbs, but no one told you about all the birds, specifically this one, who seems to be calling out Roy. Roy. But who exactly is Roy? And why doesn't he ever respond? Maybe Roy is just bird speak for save with Progressive by bundling your home and auto. I guess until Roy answers, we'll never know. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company coverage provided in service by affiliates and third-party insurers. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.